Welcome to this edition of the Gateway Podcast. Thanks for connecting with us. To discover more about our faith community, feel free to visit our website, gatewaychurch.org.nc. May this message be an encouragement to you. I'd really encourage you, if you get the time over the week, to go back and get on the podcast if there's anything that you have missed over these last six or seven weeks. Today we are going to explore spiritual habits for ordinary followers of Christ, which is all of us. These are habits of the heart that will grow our faith, that will grow our discipleship, that will grow our vision and grow us closer to our Lord and Savior. These habits are what are often called spiritual disciplines. Now this is not a biblical term. You can't look up spiritual disciplines in that Bible concordance, but it is a biblical idea. Listen to what Paul writes to the young minister, Timothy, that he was mentoring. He says these words, train yourself to be godly, for physical training is of some value, but godliness has value for all things, holding promise for both the present life and the life to come. This is a trustworthy saying that deserves full acceptance. The word train here in the Greek is the word gymnasia, which of course is familiar to us all. This is the basis for our word gym, gymnastics, and gymnasium. Before I go on, can I ask us all a question? Is rhythmic gymnastics really an Olympic sport? Seriously. I think my wife says, just because you can't do it doesn't mean that it's not a sport. (laughs) This word refers to athletic training, to physical exercise. And when applied to other things, it's meant to discipline one's self. So these verses are saying that physical disciplines can be helpful. They can be of some help, but spiritual discipline, spiritual exercise is useful for everything, both for our lives right now and for eternity. And in case we're thinking Paul was writing to a young minister, of course he would need to be telling him these things. Well, let's listen to what Paul says to a group of ordinary Christians living in the first century Corinth. He says these words, Do you not know that in a race all the runners run, but one gets the prize? Run in a way, in such a way as to get the prize. Everyone who competes in the game goes into strict training. They do it to get a crown that will not last, but we do it to get a crown that will last forever. Spiritual disciplines are biblical habits, holy habits, that help us grow in our walk with God. I came across this powerful definition of discipline in, gen- in general, but spe- specifically about our own discipline. And it's quite a, you need to read it a few times. Any activity, about, in regards to discipline, any activity I can do by direct effort that will help me do what I cannot now do by direct effort. You need to read it a couple of times, don't you? (laughs) This really is quite a powerful word. Now let's simply apply this to our spiritual lives. Spiritual disciplines are spiritual practices that we can do now by direct effort that will help us eventually be able to spiritually be what we cannot be now. Spiritual disciplines help us 
be transformed into what we cannot be now. It is to arrange our outer life so that we can grow our inner life. Today, we may not be able to pray like Jane Boone, but if we start practicing, then who knows how we may be able to pray in 20, 30, 40 years' time. Another author attempting to define disciplines puts it like this. Spiritual disciplines are habits, practices, and experiences that are designed to develop, grow, and strengthen certain qualities of spirit to build the muscles of one's character and expand the breath of one's inner life. Although we don't have the um, time to develop this idea, I love the imagery, and for a better word, one's muscle memory of our Christian walk. Again, Don and I were talking earlier on in the week, and this isn't a subject that we have talked about over the last decade that much, but we were talking about synchronized swimming. We've had a, <laughs> do you remember that? Yeah. And we were, t- we were aghast. We were, didn't quite understand it, but, but we were talking about it, and Don had heard an interview with one of the singers, uh, one of the swimmers, I should say, and they said, once they get into the water, muscle memory takes over. Just muscle memory takes over. And this is what they do. They're in the water. They have practiced so much that it becomes absolutely natural. The memory takes over. Muscle memory is the result of lots of repetitive training and practice in fields like sport and music. It's the idea that when you've done something so many times, your muscles essentially remember the motion and you don't have to think about it. You probably know it well. When was the last time you thought about, oh, how do I learn to, how do I walk? How do I, how do I breathe? That sporting activity that now comes quite naturally, those musical scales that you have learned, or even putting the seatbelt on when we get in the car. Spiritual disciplines are the workouts that train the soul. So this morning, I am delighted that Joe, Joe Peart is going to come and join me. Come and join me, Joe, please. Joe and her husband, Jono, are part of our leadership team. And as I said, I'm delighted that she's going to come and chat with me about this subject. As this is something that she is really passionate about at this time. And Joe and I are going to have a conversation. Please hear this. We're going to have a conversation around these issues, as is the manner of this series. We're not attempting to do it in order to make anybody feel guilty, but we hope to challenge all of us. Without doubt, we are going to stir some pots, hopefully. We're not going to say that you have to do it like we do or what we are learning in our lives. We want this conversation to be that something that is stirred, something that is pricked in your life, that you'll go away and work it out with your God as to what spiritual disciplines look like for you. So I'm going to move this. Thanks, Dan. Morning, Joe. Morning. Let me get my notes yeah, out here. Yeah, no, that's good. Got my spare set of notes after Don had his iPad fail that time. I was like, better print them out just in case. Joe, tell us a little bit about yourself and the family. Uh, my name's Joe. Hello. Um, I'm married to Jono. Uh, we've been married for 15 and a half years, I think. Uh, we've got four boys who are nine, seven, four, almost five, which we hear about all the time. Um, and a three-year-old, I think. Yes, three. So go through those ages again? Yeah, nine, seven, four, and three currently. Yep. Good. But l- last week, <laughs> this has nothing to do with this. Last week, I moved into Joe's, one of Joe's top ten favorite people in all the world. I was talking to her about her age, and she said, oh, I'm 38. 
Sorry to give you age away. No, you have just. It's but, okay. But then, but she, we worked it out that she got. She was born the same year that we got married, and she's only 37. Yeah. I've never seen a lady so happy in my life. <laughs> amazing. So it's always nice to gain a year on uh, life. Joe, this is a, a real passion for you, and we'll come back to that in a moment. What do you see? What do we mean by spiritual disciplines? What are we talking about? Um, I think maybe even before we begin, I probably would just want to recommend a couple of books that I've found really helpful over the last... Uh, I don't know, three, four, five years that I've kind of been exploring the subject. Um, and they are Celebration of Discipline by Richard Foster, The Spirit of Disciplines by Dallas Willard, and then a kind of more recent um, book that's a really easy read, which I would totally recommend if you wanted to kind of explore this area a little bit more, um, called The Ruthless Elimination of Hurry. Um, and then Chris has added their Bible study methods by Rick Warren also. Um, just really good books on this um, subject. But I guess um, I'm a reader, and so for the last four to five years I've been reading about this topic um, until, until I had this kind of moment of there's no point just reading about it, you actually have to kind of do something about it. So, good idea. Um, yeah, for the last little while I've been actually trying to implement some of these kind of things called spiritual disciplines into my daily walk. Um, but I think kind of at the core, spiritual disciplines, uh, ooh, there's a gap here in the stage, guys. Um, kind of at the core is about kind of uh, looking at how Jesus lived his life, his patterns, um, uh, his habits, and actually imitating him. Um, so not just hearing the words that he speaks in the Gospels, um, but actually looking at the very practical things that he did in, did in his life and doing the same. So obviously in our context there's contextual differences, we're not first century Jews, um, but on a whole there are habits and things that Jesus did in his life and other biblical characters, I know we point to Daniel often as someone who had a custom of um, doing certain things, and Paul, and then um, through the history of like church history these have come to be known as spiritual disciplines. Um, but at the heart of them, they are about drawing closer to Jesus in relationship. And I really appreciated what you said this morning, Matt and um, Amanda, about Jesus is already there. He's already mm. initiated yep. it. And yep. the spiritual disciplines, I think, are about responding to that initiation. So it's not a legalistic thing. It's not um, a working for your kind of salvation. But it's just responding to the initiative of a God who is already waiting for us. Um, so when a discipline becomes an end in itself, I think we've lost the point. So the point of disciplines is to draw us closer to God and transform us into his likeness. The vehicles in and of themselves, they're not the end. No, totally not. Well, I was, I mean, when you do a Google search or go through any of those books, everybody's got a list of spiritual disciplines. And I, I, I love the, the summary. One guy said there are, there are inward practices like prayer, meditation, study, and fasting. Then there are outward practices of solitude, simplicity, submission, and service. And then there are corporate ones like celebration, worship, confession, and guidance. I found that really quite helpful, to be honest. Too. Yeah, um, and I know maybe we, I'm jumping ahead here, but I think so often I grew up in a church culture, and we've talked about this, where um, a quiet time, a daily quiet time, was kind of the only vehicle that I knew of in how to kind of build my faith. And they are kind of core practices, I think. We all need to read our Bible and pray, and those are those core practices. Um, but I just, yeah, over my last kind of recent exploration, like you hear some of those things like confession, what? What is that? Yeah. Um, 
and, and maybe we've, there's these traditions that are in church history that are actually beautiful gifts to us um, and that we can learn a lot from. Um, yeah, but maybe we've shied away from that a little bit in recent years. You, you said that the, obviously some of the practices in the first century are different to what they are now. But if we were having this conversation 20 or 30 years ago, do you think things have shifted in the emphasis of spiritual discipline? You said you were raised in a Christian home. I know that I was raised in a Christian home, and you just automatically, if you came, when you came to Jesus, you read your Bible, you prayed, yeah. and you tithed. Yeah. Good. Good. <laughs> because of a good mother. Uh, yeah. <laughs> um, so do I think they change? Do you think that on if the... we'd had this discussion 30 years ago and, and having it now, we'd be emphasizing different areas? Um, yeah, I think for different generations or different points in history, um, there are different cultural challenges maybe, and that means I think that we need to build our muscles more in certain areas that maybe another generation maybe didn't need to. Um, Yeah, and like I said, I think maybe just, I don't know if it's just me or I don't know if I can speak for my generation, but I feel like there is a drawing back to some of those more traditional kind of... um, practices that maybe we've ignored for a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the things we did comment about was that one of the great things that came out of the Reformation was the fact that we were turned back to the Bible and we had this wonderful relationship with Jesus. But maybe one of the things that we've lo- lost is the something of the power of liturgy, the power of order, the power of <laughs> this is what we do. Yeah, yeah. I think we, have, we gained the amazing truth of grace, not works. <laughs> Um, but, uh, yeah, maybe in the Reformation we threw the baby out with the bathwater a little bit in terms of actually there's some really good things that you can build into your life that will help draw you closer to God. Well, come on to that again in a few moments. Joe. tell us briefly why spiritual disciplines are so important to you at this stage of your life. Um, I guess the last 10 years of our life, um, our family's life, have been pretty full on. We've had... um, four kids over that time, which is quite a lot. Um, And I didn't have great pregnancies. I don't know why we did it four times, but I had um, hyperemesis, which is basically um, just vomiting and nausea the whole time. So that's a fun time. Um, And uh, Jono was at a kind of stage of career that was pretty full on. So he um, at times worked a lot of um, hours. Um, I worked part-time here at Gateway um, with a very understanding employer, thank you. Um, and I had a few maternity breaks, but... Uh, you, were all, you were always on maternity breaks. I break. know, just maybe that's why. So we, I didn't have we've to been here now coming up to eight years. Oh, Joe's on maternity yeah, break. Yeah, here I am. Um, and our boys never kind of, unfortunately, like, bless you, wonderful parents who have children that sleep through the night. Uh, our boys didn't and still like to not sleep through the night. So... I've just kind of been in a haze for the last 10 years, so something I say this morning doesn't make sense, we'll just blame it on that. Um, we've had numerous uh, responsibilities and commitments. We, uh, we just have, um, we've been part of the leadership team for a long time. Um, Jono has other responsibilities outside work. Um, also in this time, uh, my sister-in-law had cancer, um, got cancer, and then subsequently died from that. Um, so I guess walking that path of um, having someone really close to you go through that journey and then the grief of losing her as a friend and just the grief for my brother and his two little boys. Um, yeah, the last 10 years have been a really full-on time of life where the, you know, we've had the highest of highs of 
holding precious new life and then um, walking those dark days of grief um, of someone that you love. So it's been kind of an emotionally exhausting time, I think. Um, you talked about the spiritual disciplines helping you with the rhythm. Yeah, yeah, rhythm I guess in the midst of all that, we've always been quite deliberate people, for better or for worse at times, but I think we managed that fullness um, by structuring our time quite stringently, probably in some people's eyes, but it was helpful for us. Um, and so over the last kind of three or four years, we've tried to develop, I think, what some people call a rule of life, which is basically how we structure our days and our weeks and how we integrate uh, different spiritual disciplines into just the normal rhythm of life. Um, so basically, a rule of life is about making space in your life to be with Jesus, to do the things he did, and to become like him. So um, I've really found them to be rhythms of grace, um, not... Uh, boring routine or boring, yeah, but actually uh, they've been vehicles to allow God to move in, in, in my life and in our family's life, I think. Okay. As I said, some of these things we'll come back to. So how do we, how do you follow Jesus well when life is seemingly so busy and so overwhelming? Um, again, I don't count myself to be any expert on this, so I take what I say with a grain of salt. But John and I were talking the other day about how, um, through that first lockdown last year, his organisation, like many organisations, had kind of a mantra, um, and their one was survive, revive, thrive. Um, and he was just saying that that sort of feels like the last season of our life, that um, for a long time we were kind of in survival mode, and that maybe... Maybe recently we've more moved into kind of a revived sort of stage. Um, so I guess I would say know the season that you're in when life is full to overflowing. Did you find it? Sorry, I didn't ask you this question on Thursday. So. Oh, no. Did you, with your good Christian upbringing, did you find it hard to verbalise that, man, we're just going to survive? And I went, um, was that so, do you feel guilty that you verbalised that sort of stuff? Like, I'm just going to survive at this season. Yeah, yeah, I did. Because good Christians thrive, they don't just yeah, get through. No, them. you just claim it, name it. Um, name it and claim it, I don't know. Uh, yeah, I guess sometimes I just, in that haze, I didn't really even have the ability to know that I was just surviving, and I guess it's the beauty of hindsight, isn't it, when you look back and go, ah, oh, okay, that's what was happening. Um, but yeah, I guess in that, just knowing that in some seasons you can just do the bare basics and often the condemnation or guilt we feel is our own mm. um, guilt and not, not how Jesus is responding to us or um, whatever. I told you the story, which is not my story, it's Don's story actually. But I remember in the depths of that survive season coming um, to church and Don telling a story about his granddaughter that was staying with them. Um, and he'd just come back from a missions trip, I think it was, and he was just saying how he had sat down to do his kind of quiet time for the day um, early in the morning, because if you know Don Barry, everything's early in the morning. Um, and she totted out to him and said, play princesses with me. And he just, I think, told, sorry Don if I'm telling the story wrong, but um, he just said he had kind of that flash of annoyance of like, oh Lord, I really want to spend time with you, I really want to... Um, just have that quiet time, and he felt the Lord say to him, this is actually your act of worship. And um, I just remember almost like, I was one of those quite silent criers, you know, like discreetly trying to wipe your eyes, like crying the whole through, way through as he's telling that story, because um, that was a gift to me in that season. Um, 
that for you mums out in the nursery, there are these, or dads, sorry, as well, these seasons of life where um, you're just surviving and you're, um, I think he talked about in that as well, of that verse where Jesus says um, that what, the, what you do for the least of me, of these you do for me. And I, I'd always put that as the people out there. Um, and there is that, the people we need to serve out there um, and sometimes not realising that the people we are called to, our act of spiritual discipline is our little people at our feet. Or we talked about, you know, your elderly parent that you might be looking after, or if you're a step-parent, um, the kids that you were looking after that aren't bi- biologically yours. Those seasons of life um, where it is sometimes is miraculous and wonderful and all those other things there are, there is sometimes that kind of survival. I'm doing the best that I can right now and that I think Jesus holds that as this is your act of worship. And um, sometimes, for me, that story was just a kind of switch of like, okay, I'm serving these little people as my act of worship. And yeah. In the time that we've got left, I want to hit some of the spiritual disciplines. So my first one is, we talk about prayer and reading the Bible, and I know we've looked at it some last week and weeks before. What does walking and talking with God look like to you? Um, like I've said, I'm quite a structured person. And so for me, I have a real rhythm to my, to my days. I'm like the most predictable, kind of boring person there really is out there. But I have a real rhythm, which my children love to disrupt, so there is that. But I do have a rhythm to how I structure it. So for me, um, walking with God, I, also, I guess, just as a side point, I'm not in um, paid a paid employment at the moment, so um, I finished here at Gateway at the end of last year, and I remember having a conversation with Chris and Don just about feeling like I was running on the fumes of yesterday, so for me this year's been a real deliberate kind of act of coming back to Jesus and making space for him. Um, So I realise that that's unique and that obviously that's not everyone's story, Um, but I do feel like for the first time in a long time I have way more kind of time than I've had for a long time so when I it's not school holidays I'll drop the kids off at school um, I'll come home and I'll make a cup of tea or a coffee usually coffee let's be honest um, and then I light my little candle and I have silent time so you have a physical candle that you light I do and again we talked about this there's nothing really special or religious about that and more so it's about I like the candle because it's like my call to worship you can't leave a candle unattended you have to be you know careful about fire so I light a candle because then I can't I have to get on with it I can't just leave it um, so yeah I, I do that and then I have uh, silence for uh, I set a timer on my watch because again uh, that helps me um, for 15 minutes and um We'll talk about that a little bit more maybe later. But um, yeah, and then I read the Bible, um, sometimes in different ways. I um, have just finished, again, this will show you how ordinary I am. I've just finished the Bible in a year chronologically, but it's taken me... Three years. Yeah. So... (laughs) Goals, guys. Um, So you've been reading Revelation I just have finished Revelation, though. Wow. What a story. Um, Yes, (laughs) it's not the right time to be reading Revelation, is it? Um, But so I read through the Bible, and um, so that's my morning slot. And then in the afternoon, after I've picked the kids up and I've made, we've done some afternoon tea, we allow them to watch cartoons for a little bit, and I light my candle again. And I have a shorter time where I more um, pray for my family, or I have a little jar, and I write... 
if I've said to anyone, I'm going to pray for you, that's where I'll make sure that I do, I write their names on it and I put them in the jar and I ask God to hold those prayers and to bless those people that are, I've been praying for over the last little while. So that's sort of my basic kind of daily structure of walking with God. Very practical, very good. You and I have also been talking about a couple of things. One, like the Bible project. You have found that, and um, just do you want to speak to that? Yeah, I guess, um, again, I, I, it's sometimes like are we allowed to say, let's, it's a drag, it's hard work. <laughs> Reading the Bible, you're in Leviticus, and you're like, what is this about? But um, no wonder it took me three years. No, <laughs> no, sorry. Um, we have found, uh, John first did this and I copied him, but just before, if you're reading through a book in the Bible or whatever, just um, the Bible Project has some amazing little video, short video clips that explain the book to you. Um, and they are super helpful, they're super engaging. Um, they, uh, yeah, like I said, reading Revelation was a joy after like, kind of getting that overview of this is what the book of Revelation is about, this is the context, this is what was going on in history. Um, yeah, super helpful way to then dive into your own reading. And I know that we've talked about the Bible Project before, but it is really so easy, so accessible. And, just, and really short little really clips too, yeah, yeah, totally. One of the things we also mentioned in our conversation was the Lecto Divina, Divina for some who prefer a different type of approach. Yeah, so I think so often, I don't know if it's uh, that, that Reformation thing of just reading for information. Um, so that's often how we read our Bible. We might read through a book, but Lectio Divina is more about meeting with God in Scripture. So reading and kind of then chewing and reflecting and reading again and then praying um, and then kind of resting in the Word and saying, oh, what is God saying to me out of this um, little portion of Scripture? So, yeah, there's lots of different ways to read the Bible, not just for oh, I've got to read through this and tick it off my list of, so I've done the book of Leviticus for the first time in 10 years or whatever. Good. Last Sunday, Jane was outstanding when she talked about prayer. What does prayer outside of your 15 minutes or whatever look like like for you? Um, Well, I think prayer is always, I think, the end goal of maybe the spiritual disciplines. Like if you are... If we define prayer as being awareness of and connection to God, then that is what all the spiritual disciplines are leading towards. And so, um, yeah, I think for me, I do structured kind of times so that one, it reminds me and draws me back to Jesus and and lighting that candle. I'm saying lighting the fire, light the fire within me, Lord, today as I go, would you be with me? And so almost that kind of my desire is that constant communion with God, which is not Let's be honest, it's not always the case. People, people often ask me, what's my walk with God like? Mine is just, I just walk and talk with him. I just find, you know, when I would start the day with him in, in that quiet time. But I would just walk and talk with God. I would talk to him in the car. I talked to him. I talked to him this morning about the rugby last night. I, t- I, do, I talked <laughs> to him. Synchronized swimming. I synchronized gymnastics. Scintillating conversation. I talked. That's right. Anybody else would be bored out of their mind if it wasn't God's remit not to be. But that's what I, I think. And I think over since coming up to 60, I think I've become more comfortable in that over the last 10 years about just walking and talk with him. Yeah, I think some people do find it, like I, I have a seat that I go to and I like, or I try and find the sunniest spot in our house. Yeah. Um, but I know for Jono, sorry, lovey, he, 
just telling your stories. He, he's a walker, like that would be his way, would be to go out and get out, get into nature, get into some If fresh I air. had four kids, I'd want oh, yeah. to get out well, and walk. Well, that's, that's what he tells me. He's <laughs> like, I've got to go. I've got to go and walk with God. Sure you do, mate. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Let's wipe that out of the podcast, could we? That wasn't in the script. <laughs> a lot, not in the script. Right, this might be appropriate. <laughs> Solitude and silence. <laughs> Yeah, I think it's funny. This is one of the spiritual disciplines that I have found, again, um, just to be incredibly life-giving in this last season. Um, yeah, I could get why that man that Don talked about had a closet that he went into and shut it, because <laughs> it's a gift after having your four children. Um, but I've just found it to be such a life-giving um, discipline. Um, I think, just find my notes on what I wanted to say about this, um, I think we're living in quite an interesting time in history, and I know maybe every generation says that, but I think with the rise in communication technology, it's rapidly changed how we relate to each other as human beings. Um, I think technology tricks us into thinking our limits are bigger than they are, yeah. um, that we can maintain more re relationships or friendships than we actually can. Um, that with the increasing amount of information and knowledge we have access to, that we are wiser than we are, that we are more in control than we actually are, um, that we can't be bored, um, and that we must be entertained at all times. So um, I think <laughs> we are all, <laughs> can I say that? You can come and tell me later that you're not, but I think at some level we're maybe all a little addicted to our phones, um, and I think that this is a particular challenge to us in our discipleship journeys um, at this stage. Um, then I think also for me, just the hustle of everyday life, I just so often was just in a hustle of, I'm just doing this thing and I'm doing this activity and then I'm doing this activity and I'm moving to this activity and then we've got this. And there was just so much hustle. And so I have found kind of those practices of silence and solitude. Um, and we integrate Sabbath into our life as well. Um, you came across, I wanted sorry. to unpack, no, no, that's good. I wanted to unpack that a little, little bit more, um, more. Have, though, caused me to stop. I think that there's a line in that song that we sung last week. This is our story, this is our story. It says, yeah. watching and waiting, looking above. And for me, silence and solitude draw, draw me back to watch and wait. Because when you are hustling and when you are busy and when you're just moving from one activity to the next and to the next, there's no... Like, I wondered why God wasn't speaking to me. <laughs> but where was the space? Where was I quiet enough to even look above yeah. to hear his voice? And so, um, yeah, that's kind of been yeah. a discipline that we've integrated into my life lately. I want to couple together two quotes that we came across. Well, one of them's pretty well known. The first one's by Tim Crider, an American essayist. He says, busyness serves as a kind of existential reassurance, a hedge against emptiness. Obviously, your life cannot possibly be silly or trivial or meaningless if you are so busy, completely booked, in demand every hour of the day. It's a really interesting way to spell cannot. The tears Just... isn't it really. Sorry. <laughs> no, it's not your fault. Sorry. No, it's actually my Just fault. Just Just check my notes here. It's my fault. Sorry. That's not the point of the quote. Back to you, Chris. <laughs> I'm going to buy you one of those magic candles. That when you put it out, it never goes out. I think I need it. I think I <laughs> need it. And the next one's by Richard Forster. <laughs> it's, 
It says, if we possess inward solitude, we do not fear being alone, for we know we are not alone. Yeah. You want me to comment on No, no, no. <laughs> but just that, that whole thing around structuring solitude and yeah. silence is so crucial in today's world. Yeah, and I think we... Um, yeah, it, it's what I was, I guess, talking about, like that whole idea of the cultural current is so this way yeah. that this builds your muscle to resist that temptation, I think, when you put those kind of practices in place. Um, C.S. Lewis talks about also, um, and as, if you've read the screw tape letters, the senior demon, it's a satire, um, so just... <laughs> if you haven't read the book, um, but he is talking about how we'll make the whole world a noise to distract them, yep. to keep them busy, um, and so often we don't think about that being maybe a tactic of the, the devil to actually keep us from Jesus. You were saying quite candidly when we were chatting earlier in the week about... Oh no, what was you, I saying? You, you got caught up with someone's life being outlived on Facebook. Yeah, and, I think it was probably... Rough, really nothing to do with you. Yeah, I think a couple of years ago, I probably realised this when um, there was a person that was kind of living out kind of a life crisis and it was on Facebook and I hadn't seen this person for a long time and I was watching their journey unfold really publicly and like I didn't have relationship with them to have a conversation with them about what they were doing, what was happening in their life and yet I just realised how much of my thought life was taken up with that person's journey and I just had this moment of like, where's room for Jesus in this? Like, how much space am I allowing for the Holy Spirit to actually, um, like, be, like, I'm being dictated, my thoughts are being dictated by someone I don't have a relationship with out there or by some Facebook ad algorithm that's decided that I need to look at this thing. And I just had this moment of conviction of, I have actually really got to watch this. Like, this is not this is not the Holy Spirit, like, where's taking every thought captive? And so I think I've probably instigated some kind of strict boundaries around how I am at times and fail badly, but um, kind of interact with social media, yeah. yeah. One of the things that we did agree on was that this, this looks different from person to person, it's different from male to female. I know that when I used to do a lot of running, it was my time for just getting out solitude on my own. And I think that was the time when God probably spoke to me the most. Yeah because he probably had my attention the most. And I think it's, uh, we gotta work that out in for who we are. Just uh, before we, we go on to our, our final topic, I just wanna talk to us about your 24 hours from two o'clock on a Saturday to two o'clock on a Sunday. Yeah, so uh, again, this is a practice we've, in, we've instigated in the last two or three years, I think. Um, but, so the practice of Sabbath, um, again, we can kind of, <laughs> I grew up with Sabbath, even though we didn't call it that, mm-hmm. um, but it's basically, we have a 24 period of life where we stop and we, are, we delight. So basically the word Sabbath comes from the Hebrew word Shabbat, which means exactly that, to stop and to delight. Um, so from about two o'clock on a Saturday afternoon um, until about two o'clock on Sunday. So I'm in it right now, guys. So I'm so relaxed. Um, no, but we uh, put our phones away for 24 hours. We've literally got a box that has disconnect to reconnect on it, and we put our phones in that box. Um, and so we withdraw from checking social media or news articles or that kind of thing, and we try to be really present with our kids. We've got some really fun family traditions that we do, like pizzas that Johnny makes every Saturday night, and uh, 
my children's favourite thing to do is have a, vamp, a family bounce on the trampoline. So we do that, and sometimes on a Sunday morning, John or I, one of us will get to go for a walk, um, and we literally just stop. And I think that, again, is a resistance to um, our culture, which says you need to be on all the time, there's work to do, there's things to be done, you're going to miss out on something, um, and so... Yeah, that's kind that, of our... That fear of missing out is huge, isn't it? What I'm... Yeah, it gets less as you get older, doesn't it, maybe? Oh, absolutely. <laughs> I like to be home by nine o'clock. Absolutely. In bed yeah. by nine o'clock. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, but we, again, we've found that to be just such a life-giving practice for um, ourselves and our family, and the kids love that. Oh, it's Sabbath, is it Sabbath day today? And we say yes. Yeah, Jazzy's highlight is... On the trampoline. Jumping on the trampoline, but <laughs> no, I won't tell that story. Okay, good. We've got about three or four minutes left. I just, I just want to ask you a question. This probably may be the most controversial or oh, the most go on. provocative. Go on. I actually believe that Sabbath and common worship are a discipline that we have neglected in this generation. That we've forgotten the importance of Sabbath. We have forgotten the discipline of common worship coming out, that it's the paramount, it's the thing that calibrates our life, our walk with Jesus, our worship, our mental health, everything. Not you lot, because you're all here. Because you're so. all here. Good job. Um, yeah, I think so. Again, I grew, I grew up with those things. I probably just didn't call them that. And so it's a, yeah, they're a blessing to have, I think. Um, I think, yeah, gathering with people um, is a spiritual discipline in itself. Having that rhythm to your week and it's part of Sabbath for us is um, that we come and we meet with you all. And um, I guess, yeah, I'm so aware that I need this community and there's obviously different realms of community. You have those that you're closer to and then maybe those that you're in a small group with and then maybe those that are a little bit further and then us all together are a community and I just am so aware of how much I need this community mm. and then if I need it maybe someone here needs me too and um, when I gather together with others yes it's for corporate worship and yes to hear the word because we need that um, but some weeks I remember again in that kind of survive season I would be in the nursery and um, I would literally come out for that final song and to have the benediction spoken over me because that's what I needed to get through to the next week. Um, or just to hear the stories of some of the other maybe mums or dads in the nursery about how God had been, how God's been faithful to them in that week or where they need prayer. Um, or even in this recent time hearing um, Rajani and Shirley and Stephen and Daniel and Jane's stories um, Bill, seeing how God has worked in their life and how God's faithful in their life encourages me and reminds me of how God's faithful in my life. Um, and then when you have kids, like that just becomes even more necessary, I think, because I know my kids think that I'm okay right now, but <laughs> there's going to come a point where I'm not going to be cool enough and that I know they need the heroes that are a little bit older than them, that are walking out their faith, um, those other and yeah. people to look up to that are um, still cool, he's still cool, Dan, um, that are living out their faith. Um, and I want my kids to have aunties and uncles that are praying over them, that are praying for them, that are invested in their life. And um, so for me, that regular coming to the corporate kind of gathering um, 
I hope so, I think. Someone whose kids have grown up. I just think that was so crucial for us in seeing our kids go to university, choose to go to church, walk with Jesus now, uh, is the fact is that in church we had heroes that were three or four, five, six years older than them, and they weren't the fuddy-duddy mum or dad. Yeah. But they were speaking into their Not life. you. You wouldn't oh, be a fuddy-duddy, no, no, would you? No, talking about other people. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but, you know, that important thing, and you know, one of the things, and this is not a somber note, just the reality, what breaks my heart is, and I've seen this probably cycle through twice in, in, in pastoral life, is where parents decide the church isn't an important thing, the common worship, or we can take it or leave it. And then they come to us in 10 years' time and say, oh, my kids are not in church. My kids don't want to come to church. Well, it's not been a holy habit. It's not been a discipline. It's not been something that's been instilled to them. And, you, and the, your heart breaks with them, but you're saying, this is not something that's going to be rectified. It could have been rectified 10, 15 years ago in that habit. And I know we got sports on Sunday morning, and it's different, again, probably than when we were growing up. But then there's Sunday night, but then we're tired. How, how do you cope with that? Um, I, I think with any of anything, it's that deliberateness of making that decision beforehand that you go, as for me and my house, this is how we're going to, for our family, this is how we're going to do this. And again, John and I have many times sat down and tried to, like you can't plan for everything, but we have tried to say, this are the things that we're going to put into our life. And I remember growing up when we had to go to church on a Sunday and um, didn't get to do some things that we wanted to do. And that was hard, and I'm not looking forward to negotiating that, negotiating that as a parent. So it's, it's hard. I get it. The cultural force is a certain yeah. direction, and so I think you have to... T- to try and maybe make decisions beforehand. I don't know, ask me that's in 10 good. years, Chris. That's good, that's good. Musicians, can you please come and join us? We had uh, so much stuff that we wanted to get through, so we didn't good. get through, but it was really good. Joe, I wanted to say thank you for Thanks. just sharing your life and Jono's life and the boy's life with us, and we appreciate that. So th- thanks, folks. Thanks for listening. If you'd like to know more about our faith community, feel free to visit our website, Gateway Church. .org.nz